What's up, Llama listeners? Joe here, and I'm excited to announce our partnership with Blazing Star Barbecue. Blazing Star Barbecue is a veteran-owned business owned and operated by Mike Starr, a veteran of over 20 years of military service and a fantastic member of the Llama family. Through his amazing rubs and sauces, Mike is devoted to bringing unique flavors from his world travels to your backyard. And I got to tell you, I love me some Blazing Star Barbecue, especially the Reaper and brand new Scorpion rubs. I absolutely put them on everything, and they pretty much have rendered the rest of my spice cabinet obsolete. Check them out at BlazingStarBarbecue.com and Blazing Star Barbecue on all social media platforms and get your sauces and rubs today. We promise you won't be disappointed. The Llama Lounge is a proud member of the Lima Charlie Network. Live, learning, leadership, the Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan, and I am grateful to have my brother in the lounge with me today, Jason France. Jason is an Air Force veteran, former command, senior enlisted leader of U.S. Transportation Command, an executive coach, leadership consultant, resilient team builder, and owner and CEO of Elevate Leadership Solutions. And I could probably go on for a bunch of other things that he does, but uh, just to get to the conversation, welcome to the lounge, Jay. How are you? I'm doing great, brother. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me on. Um, you know, since we finally had the opportunity to meet a few months ago, mm-hmm. uh, it's been uh, it's been great to to watch what you're doing um, here with the podcast. Watch what you're doing for uh, our Air Force and our Airmen, and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity for us to connect here today. Man, Jay, me too. I've been looking forward to this. I wanted to get you earlier, but then you decided to go on another hike on me, and <laughs> I, had, I had to delay a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Retired life, uh, you know. Sometimes you got to find those things to do, and and mm-hmm. what I choose to do is uh, is get out there and hike. Yeah, and that's the great thing. Like I know I just gave everybody that intro, and we're probably going to think that we're going to talk leadership, coaching, all this other stuff. But I wanted to bring you on to talk to you about the life portion of life learning and leadership, and, and some of the experiences you had on these amazing hikes that you've had. But uh, before we get started with that, the first question we always ask because we feel like we can get so much wisdom from the experiences of others. How did Jay France become the man he is today? Yeah. Wow. Uh, a whole bunch of effort by others and, uh, opportunities, chances, second chances, uh, a great family, but, uh, but you know, it all started, I you know, was born and raised in uh, Oak Harbor, Washington. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, so I grew up as a, uh, as an outdoor kid, which I know we'll talk about today, but came from very humble beginnings, uh, you know, a, a single mom, only child situation and, um, moving around, you know, struggling through things that, uh, that helped me. Um, you know, build even as a young person before I realized it, uh, the ability to help others and see those things that, uh, that others might need. But, mm. um, yeah, so went through, uh, went through high school, um, up there, barely graduated, um, you know, education really wasn't pushed. Um, work was, you know, so I, I worked a lot as a, as a young person, mm-hmm. um, to, uh, you know, get the clothes I needed, get the food I needed. And what that meant was, uh, this young man wasn't paying much attention to school, but, mm. 
Um, I had a uh, uh, teacher that turned out to be a mentor of mine who was an Air Force veteran from Vietnam. And uh, he helped me, you know, through some some tough times in school and and uh, thought it would be a good idea for me to give the Air Force a shot. So I chose to do that. Nice. And, and you had you had a very diverse career, too. Right. I mean, you started off uh, started off as a defender, correct? I did. Yeah. 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 And then you and then you moved up into so many different levels of leadership that I've, you know, most people don't get that opportunity <laughs> work at a combatant command. I mean, work at, you know, a MAGCOM. What are some of the things you took away from those experiences? Well, those, again, it comes back to those opportunities that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that folks gave, um, you know, people took a chance, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they took some risk. Um, they, they gave me some confidence. Um, they saw in me, uh, some things and I loved to return that to, uh, to the airmen. Um, that I served as a leader. And, you know, I used that going through. Um, it was kind of interesting that each and every one of those positions, I would often ask myself, you know, how, why me? You know, how did I get here? And mm-hmm. I think that was helpful in reinventing yourself, mm-hmm. you know, every day and not getting stagnant, not getting comfortable, um, being grateful, being appreciative for those opportunities and in turn, giving those opportunities for others. Um, but you're right. It was, uh, it was quite a ride. Mm. And, uh, sometimes I was left wondering, you know, how I got there. Um, but it was always, you know, that group of people that uh, saw something that I didn't see, um, and shaped me as a leader to do the same for others. Yeah. That, that's amazing. And I love how you bring that up of that, that reflection, right. And looking back at whether or not, you know, I think sometimes people will get afraid of having that imposter syndrome or they always see it as a negative thing. Or when you take the time, it's like, should I even be here? I think yeah. that there's a lot of goodness that could come from that question. Because if you're like, wait, what, how did I get here? You know, yeah. should I be here? People could take that as a negative, but also it might drive you more to be like, okay, I got to figure out how, how to get better at whatever I'm doing. You know, um, they, I, I read an article before it said on imposter syndrome. I was like, it, it could actually be a driving factor to increase your competence when you're in those. Yeah. 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 I don't believe there was ever, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say there was a, a lack of confidence mm-hmm. um, there, but it was, you know, definitely keeping things fresh you know, yeah. new learning opportunities, new growth opportunities, mm-hmm. um, and finding, you know, new ways to bring my experiences into an organization to hopefully, you know, shape better conditions, uh, mm-hmm. for others to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, just those questions are rolling through with that mentality. It seems like it just helps prevent, I think they call it the Dunning-Kruger effect when you're like, mm-hmm. you think that you're way, you know, like you think you're way more of an expert than you really are. Like instead, because sometimes people come into overly confident. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In some of those positions, because they start believing in their own hype on the way there, you know. Uh, uh, so that, that's why I just think it, uh, it's very admirable the way you approach those different positions that you went in there and really looked at, you know, there's people that helped me get here, you know, and I think some people, yeah. it's, it's easy to forget that sometimes. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah, yeah, bro. But so I, I wanted to get into this, man. So I remember the first time we talked, we were down at Maxwell and you were doing this awesome coaching um, lesson for us at the group SEL course. And then I found out that you went on the Pacific Crest Trail. And I didn't know about that when I was um, younger. I learned about it probably through that, um, through um, the Cheryl Strayed book and, and yeah. Her, yeah, her story. So I was like, oh, that thing's amazing. But I was like, man, that... Who, who could do that? And then I hear you did it. <laughs> and I'm like, man, we, I got to have you on it. And we got to talk about that. And like I said, then I uh, was like, oh, I got to get a monsoon. 
uh, to talk about it while it's fresh in my mind. And then you went on another hike. What was that one that you just went on? I just returned from the Colorado trail. Mm. Uh, it's a, about a 500 mile uh, trail that extends from uh, Denver, Colorado to Durango, Colorado, if you wow. go southbound. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I don't think that people really fully comprehend <laughs> what it takes to do something like that. So uh, the first question in, in reference to the hikes is like, what inspired you to go out and do that? Yeah. So I, I grew up, um, you know, in the, in the outdoors as a, as a young kid, you know, I'll even say now, you know, out, the outdoors is my church. It's, mm -hmm. it's the place where I can go to find peace. Um, as a kiddo growing up in Washington, um, that's where I felt safe. That's where I would go to, you know, to be me. Mm. And, uh, and I enjoyed it. And then I had a, an aunt and uncle that would, uh, and a cousin that I would spend the summer with, and we would go to various parks around the United States as a, as a young person. And then I remember specific to the Pacific Crest Trail, mm. um, my grandmother had a subscription to National Geographic mm. and there was a an article in one of the editions in june of 1971 mm. uh, which was only a few months after i was born but i read it a number of years later um and i just remember being amazed at the size and the scope and who would walk from mexico to canada for 2653 miles you know right. why why would someone do that and i was just very fascinated with that so um you know growing up i just i loved hiking and always had that trip or that, uh, that trail in the back of my mind, mm. uh, you know, then I came in the air force and had, had been in close to 20 years. And, uh, in 2010, uh, the first documentary that I was aware of where people actually filmed it on the trail, it's mm. called wizards of the PCT. Um, my wife and I watched that. And again, I was just fascinated because I got just so much better insight on what those people experienced. Um, during that, uh, during that adventure, the highs, the lows, um, the great days, the great views, you know, the tough times, all of it was, you know, very raw on that documentary. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had spoken with my wife and, and uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I'd really love to do that someday. And she's like, well, you gotta give that a shot when you retire. I was like, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a great idea. And then fast forward and, you know, I've, I've done, you know, lots of hiking. Uh, the only, the longest trail I've done before that was, it's called the Wonderland Trail. It's about 95 miles and it goes all the way around Mount Rainier. Mm. And um, that was just a, an amazing experience. You know, I took my time, did it nine days and had the opportunity to feel what that disconnection was like and to really have an immersive outdoor experience. Well, then it comes time to retire and, uh, um, you know, I have a, a relatively young family right now. I have a son who's 17, uh, a son who's 12 and, uh, and my wife, and that's a lot to ask of a family mm -hmm. to go away for five or six months. And so I, to be honest with you, I felt a little bit bad. So, um, you know, we had talked about it over the years and I said, Hey, you know, maybe I'll just do the 508 miles of Washington mm -hmm. to finish in the state, uh, where I started. And my wife basically called me out. Um, she's like, Hey, I think you ought to man up and, uh, <laughs> and do the whole thing. Um, it, you know, and that's, that was great to hear. So with, uh, the support of an awesome family, um, you know, I, I retired on the 1st of April in 2021, turned 50 the following week. And the following week I started my, uh, my hike 
down in Campo, California and headed north for five months. Hey, so that, that trail specifically, is that, you know, I mean, it's two ways, right? Is it typically always starting from California up or, it's, or do some people go to other direction? I'm, I'm kind of ignorant on that. <laughs> it's, uh, it depends. So uh, the, when you start at either end, you can go southbound, yeah. but you have a limited time window. So yeah. the first 700 miles is through the Mojave Desert. Mm-hmm. So typically people will start in April or May mm-hmm. when it's still cool and the water sources are still there. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the Sierra Mountains, which is a little over 300 miles. You basically have to wait for the snow to melt so it's passable. Yeah. Then once you get through that, you go through Northern California and Oregon. Oregon's pretty flat. And your objective is to get up to uh, northern Washington before the snow starts for the following yeah. season. So there's about a six, six-ish month window in which you can do that. The really fast hikers can go and start um, up north at the Canadian border and hike south. Mm-hmm. But they're going to have to wait until June, uh, sometimes late June, until the snow melts. And then they're really going to have to pick it up yeah. um, to get down while there is still water in, uh, in California. Yeah. That's, that's just amazing. I can't even imagine walking that far. Like I was just thinking about it. But so my wife and I, and uh, my family back home in Seattle, um, we actually do a lot of these conqueror, uh, on a conqueror app, there's like these virtual races that you and your family can do together. And, and my wife wanted me to tell you that we did the Pacific Crest Trail also. <laughs> we did it on this virtual thing, right? And basically it took us like four months as a team of like five people. And we we're just doing cardio workouts and stuff and yeah. logging our hours. And it took us almost five months to get that done. So I'm just thinking one person just hiking that is just blows my mind that, that, you know, I don't even know what kind of lessons you learn on that and the feelings that you have. I mean, I imagine some of us even like just pain management at some points, right? It is. It's, um, you know, there, there are, it's very different. I will say than what one might see on Instagram, what one might see on social media where typically the, the best parts are highlighted. Um, yes, there were some absolutely amazing parts, and I would say probably what I gained um, w- was a deeper understanding. I thought I knew the importance of self-care mm-hmm. and all of those different things with, you know, disconnecting and being present for yourself and, and you know, allowing your thoughts to play out without interruption. And, the, you know, how great a simple life is when you're carrying 35 things on your back and you're just walking. That's what you do. Um But, you know, there were some, with the high points came the low Mm -hmm. to your point about, um, enduring sometimes, you know, some physical pain, Mm -hmm. um, you know, long days, the the longest day I did on the trail was 36 miles. Um, I can't remember what my averages were, um, but, um, you're, you get conditioned over time, um, because, you know, you, you have all day. Um, my approach was slow and steady. I have 16 hours of daylight. I'm going to go out and walk about two and a half miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop if I want to and admire some scenery. I'm going to stop and rest if I need to. I'm going to stop and enjoy my lunch. And over that, you know, 16 or 18 hours, I just happened to go, you know, 25 or 30 miles. Um, and then, you know, there's sometimes, um, Oftentimes people are faced with repetitive use injuries Mm -hmm. or overuse injuries, or people have not prepared themselves through physical conditioning or or preparing your feet for, you know, walking that much. 
Um, but you know, just as anything in life, the preparation you put into it, Mm -hmm. um, helps, you know, the outcome. So, uh, I did put quite a bit of time into getting prepared for, uh, for that hike. Yeah. Speaking of preparation. So what are, like you talked about the, the items that you're carrying on your back, what are some of those things that were essential that you, you made sure you had, if I was to do that, I wouldn't even know what to bring. I'm sure I could YouTube and get some tips and stuff, but what are some yeah. things that like you knew that you had to bring with you? Yeah, I take a very minimalist approach to things because, um, you know, I, I want to be as light as possible, but be as safe as possible. And, you know, for equipment of, of course, shelter, uh, warm clothing, you know, they're, they're called the, the 10 essentials, things to, um, you know, keep you warm, treat water, all of those, those basic things. And then uh, my view on it was to get the best performing and lightest of each of those things that would keep me safe. But one thing that uh, I think is often overlooked and, you know, it's not something you pack, it's good judgment mm -hmm. and good risk decisions and being mindful and not taking inappropriate risk. I, I did this trail by myself. I would see people every day. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the mindset aspect as well, I would offer is sometimes more important than the things that you're carrying with you. Right. Um, understanding your surroundings, having a familiarity with weather patterns, uh, understanding your body, your hydration needs, all of those things that yes, some are equipment related, but also um, risk determination. You know, it's what I would characterize a, a lot of that trail was I'm making a whole bunch of micro decisions and risk determinations throughout the day that mm. if I don't make a good sound decision now, six or seven steps, not physical steps, but six mm. or seven things from now or six or seven decisions from now, things could start to go wrong. So um, that mental aspect, I think, is very, very important as well as the equipment. Yeah. So I'm thinking that when you're when you're sharing that, I'm thinking you're talking about like thinking through some of that risk management when it comes to whether or not you should, you know, push it a little bit further today or, you know, those things, but also yes. I, I'm assuming also maybe like, should I walk through this area at this time of day? Maybe it's not safe. I mean, cause yeah. the one thing I looked at with, with that Cheryl, uh, Cheryl story when I, and I was watching on the movie with a Reese Witherspoon, I was like, man, this, this lady's walking through this by herself. I mean, like there yeah. are some crazy people out there. And I was like, I was concerned for her safety, even though I knew the outcome, you know, I mean, I'm watching the yeah. movie. So I, I imagine that that's something that you have to consider throughout as well. Yeah. From time to time, I think, um, you know, I think the movie was great, but it also sensationalizes some of those aspects. Mm. Um, I didn't have any feelings of, of, you know, a sketch person or, mm. or anything like that. Um, what, what I was contending with were, uh, were record temperatures for heat. Mm. The, yeah. the hottest day that I hiked in was 109 degrees. Wow. Um, and record fires all throughout. I was very fortunate to be a couple days ahead of some of the major fires in, uh, in California. Yeah. Um, but inhaling smoke actually made me sick in Oregon, um, to where I had to move forward about 60 miles, um, because I'm, you know, I can be stubborn at times. And, uh, for about three weeks, I was walking through smoke mm -hmm. and didn't realize the cumulative effects that it was having on me. And I woke up one night you know, I'd been experiencing nosebleeds and swollen eyes and headaches and things and woke up one night having difficulty breathing. And finally, you know, I pulled my head out and I was like, Hey, I really need to, uh, to reconsider what I'm doing right here because 
the National Forest Rangers were out on trail warning us about the fires and not just the fires, but the, um, uh, the hazards in the air as far as mm-hmm. uh, the air quality index right. um, and those things that we're, that we're breathing in. You know, there's, there's a lot of danger in that too, but I, I let my pride get ahead of me a little bit there. It's funny I say that after talking about, you know, risk determinations and making good decisions, but um, I was really at that point in the trail, um, very prideful about, you know, the accomplishments I've made that uh, up to that point mm-hmm. and wanted to continue. Um, but I did have to, uh, to take a bit of a break there. And uh, like I said, move up, I was about 60 miles um, to where a place, a uh, place where the, the air was cleaner and I could actually breathe again. And I felt what right feels like again right. and uh, realized that I had made uh, uh, a poor choice in staying in that, that environment. But after that, it was good. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. You know, it's something I didn't even think about. And I lived in California for about eight years in NorCal and the, the fires, you know, it's just amazing. Like an annual, t- it's time again. Here we go with the fires. And and yeah. like that that part of that hike, I mean, there's part that that's prime time fire season, you know, when you're coming through that area all the way up through Oregon. So uh, yeah, something I didn't even consider was that like, wow. What 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 are, were some of the other um, big challenges that you faced that you had to overcome? Um, uh, so you talked about some of the air quality stuff did you go through have any other major injuries kind of on the way that you had to work through no no injuries um you know i i had uh, again put a lot of training and and i'm fortunate to have uh hiked a lot you know throughout my lifetime so i knew you know some of those things that uh, that i had to prepare for um so no physical um things i had to endure you know there was a, a few mental challenges that i had to endure Mm. Um, you know, I, the, probably the hardest part for me was, was missing my family. Yeah. Um, and you know, I really went back afterwards and, uh, and questioned myself because, you know, like I had described before, I really, you know, two weeks after I retired, you know, after 31 years of service and mm-hmm. 10 deployments between, um, you know, my wife and I, I spent a lot of time away. And then, you know, later on just through, through TDYs based on the positions I was in, you know, I kind of questioned myself a little bit on, Hey, did I make the right decision? You know, I'm out here for selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, do I need to, um, you know, think about, um, you know, should I stay out here? Which, which the answer was yes. Um, you know, I, but you know, those thoughts did creep into my mind a few times. And then my, uh, my family came out and visited me in South Lake Tahoe, which is close to the halfway point, Oh yeah, which was great to see them, but it was a challenge yeah. We spent Independence Day together. Mm. Uh, I came off the trail for four days, spent Independence Day together and enjoyed ourselves in South Lake Tahoe. But then it was, you know, saying goodbye again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, some some heavy mental challenges came because I had just left the Sierra Mountains, which were beautiful. Um, I didn't necessarily enjoy Northern California. Um, so, you know, some of those, those thoughts on things... Um, mostly deployment related that I thought I had closure on. Mm. I learned that I didn't because for the first time, and as long as I can remember, which is one of the benefits, but also one of the risks of being on a trail is you have the opportunity to let your thoughts play out without interruption. Right. And you oftentimes don't get to choose, you know, where your mind takes you and, you know, it could be on a high, it could take you to some, some really, you know, low and, and dark places too. So, mm-hmm. uh, and during that, during a time of heat and physical exhaustion, it was a pretty tough time, but yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think that I, as much as that probably sucks when you're going through it, there's a lot of value in that, right? And and maybe you're, you get it through that experience. But I experienced a lot when I, in 21, 20, um, going into 21, I was getting ready for deployment. And 20, you know, we had the great pandemic start. So mm-hmm. I was in constant quarantine, like legit, like you're locked in your room. You're not allowed to come out. Somebody brings you food. And it was for long periods of time. And then it was come out, go to training, go back into it for the next step of the deployment prep. And I remember during those times where I was just left to my own thoughts, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, man, I really learned a lot about myself <laughs> during that time. And um, and some of it sucked, but I was like, man, yeah. I, I need to like reflect on what's going on in my mind here. And um, but, and it really helps. I can imagine like going through that. Like, I mean, you're on that for a prolonged amount of time. I'm sure isolated for, even though you're outside uh, yeah. with, with your own thoughts. And I call it sometimes the, uh, the, the bad roommate in your head telling you some yeah. stuff and uh, some stuff. But I, I just imagine that there's a lot of value and some healthiness that comes on the other side of that. You're you are spot on, brother, because what I was able to do that I had never been able to do before through, um, you know, some pretty significant therapy for, for mental health issues and mm-hmm. deployment related issues. This was the first time, like I said, I was allowed to let my thoughts play all the way out. Mm-hmm. And I learned some things about myself that I thought I had gotten over through that therapy, through that time with the docs. Mm -hmm. And I, I would, I can honestly say now that maybe I wasn't truthful Mm -hmm. all the way with, um, with the therapy that I received in the air force, whether that was fear of, you know, being viewed as weak, fear of losing a security clearance, fear of several things, you know, that stigma that, that, you know, is a completely different subject, but relevant here. This was the first time, again, allowing those thoughts to play out where I was able to gain closure. Mm -hmm. There were things that I thought I had achieved closure on, which I learned on the trail Mm -hmm. when I have those free thoughts that I learned that I truly didn't have closure. And this experience allowed me on, on a few different things to see through a different lens, to understand that I had no control over those things, to understand that everybody involved in those situations did everything they did. And sometimes things just happen. Um, so yeah, it, and it felt, it was very hard for a period of time, but brother, I will tell you at the end, yeah, it felt great to, to, you know, go through those, those tough thoughts and those tough times to come out better on the end. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I felt the same way when, during my time of isolation, I felt like, um, just a hot mess throughout that process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was times where I just thought to myself, uh, you know, what am I doing here? I want to get through this this thing because you know when we're normally in these leadership roles or you're just going through your career or you got your device next to you or you got people around you all the time, you're always busy. There's so many things that distract you, whether they need to be distracting you from those things because you need to take care of those things. But but when you don't have any of that and you really yeah. got to do a deep reflection, I remember uh, one of the things that just popped in my head when I was in the isolation phase was. I have not been seeing the world through adult eyes all these years. You know, I'm like 40 years old almost. And I have like been very immature on how I've been viewing things. And also Mm -hmm. like my ego has been like really blocking me from being able to do things like seek help, you know, like these, these things I'm like, what is going on? Like all these dots are coming into my head. And I was like, I don't think I would have had that. I would still not be there if I didn't be forced to, you know, have to have to explore those dots. Yeah. And you brought up a great point there too. You know, when I, when I retired, there were 12 different ways to reach me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three different classifications of email, two different classifications of chat, you know, mm. two different classifications of phone in my office. 
two classifications of phone at my house, chat on, you know, nipper and sipper, mm-hmm. you know, social media, all of these things. And I truly had connection fatigue because mm-hmm. as a leader and, you know, many of us look at this, I'm sure you do as well. Our responsibility to be responsive to the people we serve in those positions mm-hmm. and, you know, leaving the, the last position I was in in United States Transportation Command, global mission, 24 hours, you know, that, um, that need, that desire, that drive to be responsive and give those people the answers that they need because of the importance of what it is that they're doing. Right. I didn't realize, um, I, I knew it was there, but I didn't realize the, the depth of the impact that that has. Hmm. And it really took me about probably three weeks for my mind to slow down after I got on the trail. Right. took a couple weeks for that natural tendency to reach for a device thinking that I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. It was great to be out of cell range. Of course, I had a phone, right. uh, my phone with me. I had a satellite communicator that I could you know, text through satellite back for my, uh, with my family. But it took a while for my mind to slow down. Mm-hmm. And then it felt so great to not only be disconnected from some of those devices, but also to be disconnected from the news, to be disconnected from social media. Although I was posting on social media, you know, for my friends and family, mm. I made a YouTube channel. I was posting video, creating and posting videos to, to share my experience with others, but I wasn't consuming that much. I was right. mostly in push mode. It felt great, but it did take a while um, for that, that calmness and that quiet to, yeah. to come to my mind. I imagine I don't have you ever heard of the book The Comfort Crisis? It's not very old. It just came out a little while ago. I think last year. Uh, I have heard of it, but uh, I have not taken the chance to read it yet. Yeah, it's a fantastic book and he talks about something about a boredom. Like we've robbed ourselves of boredom. Like we have everything. I mean like we all have yeah. something to distract us all the time and he was talking about how like at points in our um in our evolution there's there's long points where people were just didn't really have anything to do and but yeah. and you think oh that's that's probably terrible, but like they were able to really uh, think deeply on things, yeah. be more creative, explore themselves because they had no, they had no devices to go to distract them from. Yeah. You know? So, so I, I was like, man, I never really thought of valuing boredom before and like trying to put yourself in an environment like that every now and then um, and how much value that could bring to your personal health. Yeah. I look at it too, uh, a little bit further than boredom. I look at it also as being present for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's another thing that, uh, that I didn't realize how terrible I was at doing. Yeah. I, as, as many of us feel our responsibility to be present for others, to be present for our spouse, to be present for our family, to be present for the people that we serve as leaders. And for me anyway, I never really took much time to be present for myself mm. and to really think and really, again, we've talked a bit about that today, but the, the opportunity to reflect, because I also felt a bit, um, to my earlier comments, a bit selfish for taking this trip. And then I realized, I was like, no, what I am gaining out of this, I will also be able to return to those close to me mm-hmm. because I have, because I'm present for myself and I'm able to think without interruption. I am able to get a greater sense of appreciation for what I have with the relationships, the people in my life, mm. the time, all of those things. Um, but if I wouldn't have taken that opportunity through this hike to be present for myself 
And yes, some of it was boredom. And yes, it was a struggle at first because I didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. But I learned, okay, I just let those free thoughts come in. And so many things came out of that. Yeah. Um, whether it's, you know, that appreciation for, for your loved ones, your friends, your family, um, whether it's reestablishing boundaries and thinking about, you know, what, um, what you might be taking on that maybe you shouldn't, mm -hmm. um, what the future holds, um, what you value, who you are, you know, all of those things, some of it comes from that boredom you're talking about, which mm -hmm. is also, you know, being a part of it is being present for yourself. Yeah. 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 I think in the book, and I, I don't want to uh, misclassify how he was saying it. I think he was titling that boredom. The reason why he brought that up and he called it that was because we, we're like afraid to be bored. So we're yeah. always trying to do stuff, you know, we're always yeah. trying to do something. And then, and then you're like, yeah, you don't need to fill that with Netflix time. You know, you don't need to fill yeah. that time, that, that feeling like that, that gap in time, <laughs> like with something you can like sit there and like, think. Yeah. and um, I think that's a real uncomfortable thought for most people It's like, wait, I'm not going to do anything, but just be here with my thoughts. And I was like, yeah, that was really uncomfortable for me. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I even, it's funny you bring that up. I even caught myself. This was actually the other day mm -hmm. on my Peloton bike, you know, cause I'll, I'll have uh, my phone in one of the, one of the drink holders and um, Alex Toussaint, you know, he's, he's my favorite instructor on there. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, a tough ride. And he's like, Hey, you know, we got a flat road for, you know, a couple minutes or whatever. So I was like, Hey, this would be a great idea for me to, you know, check my email. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, I'm not, again, not being present for myself by just focusing on what's right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he, I know he wasn't yelling directly at me, but it felt like he was for a minute, you know, he's like, <laughs> yeah, get your ass out of the seat or, or whatever it was yeah. that he said, it kind of snapped me back. I was like, wait a minute. I just need to enjoy what I'm doing and focus on what I'm doing right now. And I'm letting those distractions come back into my life at my expense again. So right. <laughs> Alex squared me away. Yeah, man, that's, that's amazing. So, I mean, just, just thinking about the stuff that you experienced, the stuff that you learned, you know, that time to yourself and all the struggles and challenges that you went through, you know, on these hikes, specifically that one, cause that's just, to me, that's just a behemoth. I can't even still wrap my head around doing that. But uh, what are your, um, what are some other things that you would say that you really took away from that? Cause you shared a bunch already. Are there any others that you really felt like you took away from that journey? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I didn't expect was an appreciation or a deeper appreciation for our, our young people. Mm. Um, you know, there are, there are a few different groups, I would say, on the trail. You know, there are a lot of young people that are just finishing school, whether that's college or high school, and, and taking a break and trying to figure out, you know, what's next in their life. Mm -hmm. or absorbing what they just went through in college and, and figuring out what the, what the path is ahead. Um, and then there's some folks, um, you know, that have retired from, you know, pickup profession that are out there, but, you know, in the, in the military, we get a really, really good, you know, we get the best. I can't remember what the percentage was. I think it's in the low twenties of, of people that are even eligible for military service. So yeah. that is a very small sample of, of, you know, the real world mm -hmm. of the people in, in our nation. And I think sometimes I know I did. Um, we, we think maybe that some of our younger people that come in are, are, um, you know, above or, um, you know, have, have reached higher standards, which they have. Mm -hmm. But I think I may have viewed 
you know, some of our, our youth a little bit differently, maybe in a negative way. Mm. But I enjoyed having those conversations with those young people, yeah. how informed they were, how they have opinions, how they want our nation to, you know, continue to grow and prosper. And mm-hmm. um, it was just very interesting. It wasn't, it was something that I did not expect. Um, and it's just great. You know, I still, still keep in touch with, uh, with a few of them, but to, you know, share with them some life experiences when they were really, really hungry for that. Mm-hmm. And they're in a spot where we are just the same, which is probably another thing that I really enjoyed. I loved the things that I was able to do for people as a chief master sergeant. Mm-hmm. But I struggled a little bit at the end of my career with the identity. Mm-hmm. I'm Jay. I'm Jay, and I happen to be or happen to have been a chief master sergeant. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. But there were times when I think not just the rank, but probably more so the positions that I was in were sometimes a barrier mm-hmm. to connecting with the people that I loved the most in our Air Force, our young people. Yeah. Because of the formality, because of the protocol, which I understand we're in the military and a hierarchical organization mm-hmm. structure. And, and I, I, I get that, but I sensed a little bit, you know, probably the last couple assignments that sometimes that was a barrier. Yeah. And I was removed a little bit from the things that I loved. And that is that connection with people. Yes. I still had that opportunity. Um, but it was just a little harder to get to that. So it was very refreshing for me to step away from that. There were only two people on the trail that recognized me. And it was great to just be Jay, yeah. to just be another hiker for us to all share, regardless of our backgrounds, regardless of positions, regardless of financial status, regardless of all those things. We're just a group of people mm-hmm. getting through this amazing experience together. And it was, it was very refreshing. That's got, you know, I was thinking I had a moment like that, not quite the same, of course, but, uh, but I remember like talking to people and, you know, you're right. You kind of get stuck in this almost a silo of like, and then your, your, your views on things, you know, if you're in the same environment for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I thought, um, you know, it was after COVID happened and then, um, I, it was funny because now I'm stuck in my house for a lot of it, but I'm suddenly like connecting with more people around the world that I've never met through things like this. And it almost like reinvigorated my faith in humanity that there's awesome people yeah. out there. You know what I mean? Because you start seeing the yeah. same people all the time. And then you realize, no, there's amazing human beings out there. It's like you take the blinders off for a second. So that's really cool. Yeah, it was, um, you know, just because, you know, I, I thrive on on the energy and, mm-hmm. you know, young people being inquisitive and, and asking questions and you know, sharing their world because they, they truly are so different than, you know, I'm, I'm 51 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I look at my sons, I look at, you know, people in the community um, and just, you know, I'll sit there and just think about the amazing things they're going to experience in their life and how different it is from, you know, when I was their age and I kind of geek out on that stuff, you know, just that connection with people. So it was, you know, neat, not just for, for the young folks um, from the United States, but mm-hmm. international uh, right. hikers. And it was just, Oh, so awesome. Yeah. Hard to describe in words. Yeah. Were you shocked that, I mean, like you said, two people recognize you though. When you said only two people, I thought, man, I think in a hike like that, I would be surprised if anybody recognized me. Like, was that a surprise to you? Once, uh, how did they know you? They're like, Hey, I work around you before. 
Yeah, it was. So, um, you know, one was a, uh, a gentleman that I worked with at, uh, at Fort Bragg. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, we just <laughs> came across each other one day and, uh, you know, really, really blew me away. You know, I was a, a tech sergeant and he was a major, oh, wow. um, a major in the army. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was just, it was, it was wild. Wow. Um, there was another, uh, young man that, um, I had, uh, spoken at the air force academy oh at the base not at the academy mm-hmm. um had given a present a leadership presentation one time and uh, there was this uh, young man who um you know separated from the air force and he's like hey i you know, remember you he he remembered every every single you know point mm-hmm. things that i didn't even remember because <laughs> just you, you know and i hate to say it but Sometimes in, in those scenarios, you know, you, you give similar presentations or right. you're giving updates to uh, a number of groups of people. Um, and I remember, you know, the, uh, the engagement, he asked a question and, you know, I, I gave him a response. He remembered everything that I said and he mm-hmm. expressed his appreciation for me giving him the time, um, you know, which, which felt great, you yeah. know, for me. But it also, what felt the best was that he was appreciative of that time, mm-hmm. that he was appreciative of he and I having that engagement because it started on stage and then, you know, yeah. we got a follow-up afterward. Um, so it was great to see, um, you know, a, a young person that, that I had crossed paths with and uh, to know that, that um, he enjoyed it because someone cared for him at that particular time when it was very important to him because it was a, a pretty personal subject. I tell you what, Jay, I think that's something, um, you know, I think everybody has their superpowers and that's one of yours because the first time we met that genuine care, when I talked to you um, and we had never met before, you know, mm-hmm. we had like engaged maybe a little bit on social media or just knew of each other. But when we talked, it felt like we already knew each other. You know I mean? It really did. And you have such an engaging personality and, and your presentation with that, um, with the coaching, um, I just, yeah, I could, I, I could see how somebody would remember all of that because just the way you present yourself and the way that you genuinely come off as authentic when you care about somebody and talk to them. So I, I think that's, that's your superpower, Jay. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, when I look back on, <laughs> cause you know, you get, you get the questions and, mm-hmm. you know, someday, hopefully not too soon when, yeah. when your day comes, yeah. you know, when you, when you step away and you look back, um, it's really not about, position. It's not about those things. It's, it's about, you know, the, the story we just talked about right there. And, mm-hmm. and those, because when I, you know, look at uh, the experiences I had as a young person, mm-hmm. those mentors, they were the person that, were, you know, was genuine, that gave me that time that, right. um, you know, made it about me and was present for me mm-hmm. uh, for a period of time. Those are the things I remember, you know, yeah. most. Yeah. Yeah. And I try to do better at telling people that like I was telling Mel Smith the other day uh, when I saw her at um, Mm -hmm. one of the events that when she was a chief of chiefs group she said something that inspired me while we were just in a one-on-one discussion and I almost didn't take the the appointment you know what I mean and and I felt like I was like you know what I should have told you that a long time ago you know because that's not five years ago now you know and I was like I should have told you that a long time ago but uh, so I I know that that's really important so I felt like now I'm trying to be more deliberate about telling people that those like one-on-one instances like you just mentioned because it's important yeah yeah so you know 
I want to ask you this question. I'm trying to frame it this way. Mm -hmm. You were coming off of a retirement. So you were in this major life transition, right? Mm -hmm. And, and it was only been like two months of that. And then you go straight into this hike. I feel like there might be, because, and, and this is all stream of thought. I'm when I, I realized on when I was um, struggling with the deployment and being in those, um, in those uh, quarantines, it was a major transition in my life. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of transit stuff was there was nothing quite, quite solid. It was really shaky. Everything was shaky. Right. Uh, that's what contributed to me, like just being all over the place. I was I was like a mess. Um, and I realized that I've always tried to speed through those transitions. I don't care if it's something as simple as a PCS. As soon as I get there, I need to get everything set up because mm -hmm. I need to like get out of this uncomfortable mode of transition. And I realized at some point, I was like, no, I got to sit in this transition a little bit and like see what it's teaching me. Do you think that you hiking, taking that hike on right in that major transitional part of your life, was that timing was really important? It was for, for many reasons. Mm -hmm. And I'll preface it by saying this, you know, the conditions were perfect for me to do this. Mm -hmm. My wife, again, she retired a year before I did. She went right into substitute teaching in the local school district, something that she is very passionate about. Mm -hmm. She found her way to fuel that passion to connect with young people, to, to make a difference in the lives of, of the people that are around her. We chose to stay here. Um, we, we moved, we were on Scott Air Force Base and, mm -hmm. and we live in a small town called Mascuda. Now we chose to stay here to provide our sons with stability and to be able to finish schools in one place where our older son had gone to seven schools, seven different mm -hmm. schools before coming here. Mm -hmm. So the conditions were right. And it's very important that I bring that up because my recipe won't work for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, since those major changes that are typical to a person that retires, I didn't have to worry about finding a house. I didn't have to worry about moving. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry about my spouse getting employment. I didn't have to worry about new schools for my sons because all of that was sorted. But what this did for me is allowed me again, that opportunity to stop and think because Mm -hmm. there probably could have been, well, I can't say probably there, there would have been opportunities for me in industry mm -hmm. based on, you know, where, where I came from, mm -hmm. there could have been opportunities for me, uh, if I would have continued in government service and the time that I took, cause I, I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. Because yes, there were a couple things that uh, opportunities that were, were thrown my way that um, were, were pretty, pretty well paying. Right. And I was considering those, but having that time and space to think any of those jobs would have robbed me of my soul mm. and would have continued to chip into family time continue to chip into taking me away from the things that at this point in my life are the most important, not that they weren't important before, but I don't have to split service and family anymore. Mm -hmm. I am right where I need to be right now without going on that hike. I'm not sure I would have made the best decision. Yeah. And I look, and this isn't, you know, throwing shade on anybody, but I see so many mm -hmm. Some of our peers, some of our friends, some of our mutual acquaintances that have gone directly into something mm -hmm. while they're on terminal leave, 
to later regret their decision. Mm-hmm. So I had been very mindful and took, you know, the mentorship and coaching of many of those before me. Jay, take some time. I don't know how long that is, and it's going to be different for everybody. How I chose to occupy that time was to follow a childhood dream and hike the Pacific Crest Trail. Mm -hmm. The result of that is I think I made a good decision on choosing my own path for coaching and teaching resilience and, um, you know, being a a adjunct professor as a contractor for the Air Force, Mm -hmm. doing those things that I'm passionate about still contribute and still giving me all of those things that I need and I want right now on the family front. Yeah. 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 I I think it's, yeah. And uh, I appreciate that you set the conditions there for, because like you said, that's going to actually get into the next question I was going to ask you, but Mm -hmm. uh, that situation, I think, and even what you said about the, um, the identity thing, right? Like, I think that doing something like there's something spiritual about doing something like that yes. when you're in a major transitional part of your life, I think. And it's, and there's a lot of stability there. You had stability with your family, you know, they all knew stuff, but like the inside of yourself, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, I just think that that's really important. And so that's why I was going to ask you that to kind of play off that is not everybody can do what you did, right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody, whether for whatever reason, they're physically not capable. They're just don't have the, the situation of financial ability to, to break out and go do that. What are some things that you might recommend for someone that is going to go through a major transition like that? Maybe it's not even a, a retirement, but some other major transition in their life to maybe help get them to the same mindset where they have that ability to work through some of those things. Yeah, I think it it comes down to many of the things that that we talked. And when I say time, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's going to mean something different for each Mm -hmm. person based on the situation, based on the change that they're about to face. Mm -hmm. But taking that time again for yourself to remove those distractions, like I talked about, to be present for yourself, to Mm -hmm. to, you know, be at peace with with your transition, with what you're going to go through to take that time to make sure that what you're going to next is going to give you fulfillment, is going to give you joy, is going to give you satisfaction, is, is, you know, something that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to be fair in the military, sometimes we don't get to choose all of those things. Right. And sometimes we will have to really dig to find those things, or we will realize those things later. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, brother, I really think it comes down to taking that time. And I can't tell each person how, how, how long that's going to be, mm-hmm. how much time they need or, or what they should focus on, but just stepping away, getting some, some quiet, mm-hmm. removing some of those distractions, whatever you can to give you uh, a clear mind and allow those, again, those thoughts to play out. Like I talked about a little bit earlier. Yeah. And you know, before we hit record, you, you mentioned something too about like, it's not like a one-time pill, right? Like yeah. to do something like that. You got to kind of, cause I could see like, even when I was stationed overseas, I was living a lot simpler. And then I come back here where I, in the land of everything. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like myself getting the urge every now and it's like, Oh, I need to get that thing or I need to do yeah. this or whatever. Uh, you would recommend like doing this periodically, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the example that I'll use today is, Um, when I got back, you know, um, I I chose to take my own path, start my own business, get a coaching certification, you know, do those things. And I, I really did for a period of time, 
found myself with a very similar ops tempo mm-hmm. that I had as a chief master sergeant. And I was like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, I chose to start writing a book. I chose to, again, start my own business. I chose to start teaching the resilience building leadership program. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was kind of very passionate about all of those things, but I was piling it on too much mm-hmm. at once. Right. So I had to, you know, step back and, and take some time and prioritize, reestablish those boundaries and, you know, figure out what is the most important thing for me to do right now mm. to fulfill my passion, to, you know, give me that, that fulfillment to make sure I'm connected and make sure, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on people because that's what I love. And then I was like, well, okay, let me, uh, you know, see, you take another journey and see where this one takes me. So that is when I chose to, uh, to hike the Colorado trail, um, a much shorter trail, mm-hmm. shorter duration it was only about a month, but it allowed me to kind of re-energize myself, refine a little bit, not to the depth I had on 141 days on the Pacific crest trail, but mm-hmm. it allowed me to get a taste of that. And I realized that, okay, that, like you said, that's not a one and done thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, and it's not always going to be through hiking, but I'm going to need to be a little bit more purposeful with my reflections, you know, whether that's could be as simple as, you know, taking a few minutes to journal. It could be, you know, not, you know, having my devices when I'm having coffee in the morning, Mm -hmm. it could be reading a book that is completely off the path of what I typically read just to do something different and, and get my mind in a different place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's awesome that you do that because it inspires me. And I think that, um, when, when I think about, I tell people all the time, it's like, Hey, you got to continuously be deliberate about seeking inspiration. Like, yeah. yeah, because if you don't, I mean, if you're not, we've all worked for an uninspired leader, we've all seen uninspired yeah. people behave and, and whatever that is that you, you gotta like, look for it. It's just, just jump. You can't just wait for it to accidentally hit you in the head. You're like, Oh, I'm inspired yeah. today. You know I mean? You really got to seek it out. And I think the hikes are awesome. I love doing photography and doing other things to balance me out a little bit because you're right. That, that feeling that you just talked about was like, Oh, I just got sucked into like, okay, doing coaching and doing all this. And now I feel like I'm just as busy as I was before. I yeah. feel like that's conditioned behavior we've been doing this for a long time you know and it's like it's easy to slip right back into it yeah it is even though you know i stepped away got on the pct and Mm -hmm. you know i was i was you know meditating i grew a beard you know all this (laughs) stuff i still just through that that conditioning Mm -hmm. um and i really think it is you know a sense of of connecting with people and giving back because you know these paths that i chose are are really about that Mm -hmm. um i think i let that um, feeling of serving others, mm-hmm. you know, consume me, not in a bad way, mm-hmm. but consume me again. And I was like, wait a minute, yeah, you know, this is different because, um, you know, I have other, other things in my life that, uh, um, that have moved up on the list right now. And I don't technically need to, to take on all these things, including that stress. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's amazing. I'm so grateful that you came on to share your experience, Jay. I think uh, I, I definitely was curious about it. I mean, I have way more questions, but <laughs> we'd be here forever. Cause I was just thinking about like, how do you even like shower? Like, you know, like even the tactical level stuff of yeah. navigating through that. I imagine those are all like things that people are listening. Like, well, if I wanted to do that, what are these little things? And yeah, I, I just think it's, it's just so awesome that you did it. I finally know somebody who's done it. I've heard of people <laughs> who've done it, but I know somebody who's done it. So uh, yeah, thank Thank you so much for sharing it, man. It's, hey, Jay, how do you, because uh, you talked about your business, right? Elevate yeah. Leadership Solutions. I think it's, uh, I will give you a, a plug as to everybody else's. Jay is amazing uh, uh, when it comes to presenting and talking about coaching and coaching. I mean, I, I was, that was probably one of my favorite portions of the entire SEL course that I went Thank through. You. Um, and so how do people find out more about you? Yeah. So, um, and, and I'll, I'll send you the things that you can put in the show notes, but uh um, you know, I'm easily found on LinkedIn, Jason L. France, mm-hmm. um, you know, elevate leadership solutions.com is, is my website. Um, you know, for those that might be interested in digging a little deeper into my journeys, um, J J A Y F adventures. I have a YouTube channel, so I documented my entire Pacific crest trail, nice. uh, journey. So I got about 20 videos out there. Uh, I did about half of, because I wanted to step away from my devices documented about half of my Colorado trail journey that I just returned from. And many of those things that, uh, that you brought up, um, are captured in, uh, in some of those videos, again, those highs, those lows, the, the good times and the tough times. Um, yeah. And then later on, uh, I'm writing a book, uh, about, um, my reflection on a career on life, on being a husband, a father, mm-hmm. uh, mental health, self-care, a whole bunch of things. I'm writing a book about my journey on the Pacific Crest Trail and how I reflected on uh, on many of those areas. Um, I hope to be finished with that by the end of the year and get that thing published and, and available uh, early next year. Um, so yeah, a lot of exciting things coming up. And uh, But yeah, I would say that uh, LinkedIn is probably the easiest way for folks mm-hmm. uh, to get a hold of me. Perfect. Yeah. And when you, and when you um, finish that book and it gets published, I'd love to have you back on and we can talk about it a little bit more. And Oh, that'd yeah, be great. I think that'd be fantastic, man. Man, Jay, thank you so much. Uh, but I can't let you get out of here without hitting you with the life learning leadership rapid fire. Yeah. <laughs> we got four questions, uh, just however you want to interpret it and however, however you want to answer them. Sound good? Great. All right. First question. What is your favorite leadership trait and why? Vulnerability. Hmm. And the reason why is, so folks, when you talk about leadership, you know, we could uh, be very far as far as our, our structure, Mm -hmm. having that commonality through a leader showing their vulnerability and being honest about their challenges, their struggles is going to allow likely a younger person to see themselves in that person, to know that it's okay for them to go through those things to know it's probably natural for those people to go through those things and know and have an example of somebody who has overcome challenges to, uh, to get where they are. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Question number two, uh, what is a book that you would recommend to an aspiring leader or maybe even an aspiring adventurer? Yeah. I, uh, right now, and, and I'm about halfway through it, uh, it's, it's called do hard things, mm. um, by Steve Magnus. And, um, it kind of goes to both things that you're talking about in life. Um, you know, when, when getting ready for an adventure, 
it's really a mindset, uh, a mindset book was recommended to me by a, uh, a good friend, uh, Jamie Newman, who's the command chief out at the, uh, um, Air Force Life Cycle Management Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I gotta check that out. That, just the title alone is, is right down my alley. I love reading yeah. about stuff like that. So awesome. All right. And we'll make sure we get that in the show notes as well. All right. Question number three, I probably think I know the answer to this, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to make an assumption. Uh, so imagine that you're only able to do one physical movement for exercise for the rest of your life, right? Like one lift, one thing, whatever it is, right? What, you can't just say weightlifting. You can only pick that one yeah. particular lift, right? Uh, or, you know, any other activity, but you can only do that one for fitness for the rest of your life. What would it be? Deadlift. Yeah. Yeah. Man. That, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I've, I've heard that before too. I mean, there's just so much that comes with it. it, it, it I think people underappreciate it that don't lift, don't, don't realize yeah. how much value comes in that lift. Yeah, I'd say, you know, deadlift, you know, second would be a clean, just based on, as I look at, you know, my ability to move Mm -hmm. um, long-term for the rest of my life, you know, if if, if I can't, you know, bend over, pick things up and and move things, um, you know, because I'm a a physical fitness guy and um, I would struggle if I was unable to uh, to do that. I watch my, you know, I watch my uh, my older son, um, you know, just doing amazing in, in the lifting community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's probably his favorite too. So I might be partial to that one because yeah, I'm just proud of him. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I actually, you know, it's funny because I know there's different activities. And I was listening to um, Dr. Peter Atia and he was talking about everybody should practice walking down the stairs. I'm like, what is he talking about? And I was like, I guess I didn't really realize. He was like, most people, when you get older for longevity, that's where you end up falling down. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. building those muscles. Cause when you're walking, most people don't appreciate that. That's actually a thing. Like you're getting workout from that. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's a good one too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Final question. This is the, uh, the deep question of the day at the Lama Lounge. We're all about life learning and leadership. So how does Jay find his harmony between life learning and leadership? Wow. I'm, I'm very appreciative. Thank you for using the word harmony and not balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's, you know, it's a constant reevaluation of, of what is going on right now. Mm. Um, what drives me is, is family. Yeah. Um, and my ability to discern where I need to be and where, and this used to frustrate me mm. when something would come up if, you know, I have to take one of the kiddos to a doctor's appointment and I have something else pressing. Um, but when I would engage in those things and when I engage in those things now, mm-hmm. I know 100% I'm absolutely in the right place at the right time. And, yeah. you know, the ability to, you know, communicate and let people know um, that, Hey, you know, I'll be there. Um, when I get there, I had a very, um, hopefully not get too long winded here. Mm-hmm. My wife deployed one time, uh, at my first command chief job. So mm-hmm. she was gone to Afghanistan for seven months. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I had a three-year-old and a seven-year-old as a wing command chief, you know, <laughs> high ops tempo yep. that really forced me to change my view on things. Mm-hmm. It really did. And I found later that people appreciated the fact that they would see me at Thursday afternoon doing some combat shopping because mm-hmm. that gave me more time with my sons. Yeah they didn't see me at some events. Yeah. That was important. That was an important signal to show too. They saw me with my sons at certain events. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really turning a big turning point in my career 
uh, when, when that happened. So that, that helped me with, uh, with the harmony piece. Yeah. yeah. That's that. Yeah. I, I love that you shared that because I, I share this often too. There's no off button to leadership. So if you're, no. if you're always, you know, grinding it out and like, and perceived as maybe not spending enough time with your family, you're setting an example for someone there too. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. especially if people are looking up to you and they want to, to fill your shoes one day, they're like, Oh, I got to do that. You know, but when you yeah. show them that you can be a great father, a great husband and do all those things, plus do this, uh, that's, that's the example, right? That's the example that we really need to see more of. So yeah, yeah. That, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate you coming on, man. And we and definitely, um, yeah, as the book wraps up, let's do this again. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity again. Thanks. Thanks for, for sharing, um, you know, your experiences and getting so many people on here. Um, to, to share theirs as well, to, to grow people. I mean, you really have built a community here and uh, I hope you hear thank you enough for what it is that you're doing for so many people, brother. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thank you. And um, and just shout out to our show sponsor, Blazing Star Barbecue, Mike Star. It's a veteran owned business out here, uh, you know, just working really hard to bring flavors from his world travels to your backyard. So check them out at blazingstarbarbecue.com. The Reaper Rub is my favorite. Check it out. All right. And then to all our listeners, until next week, keep growing and llamas are out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.